The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. So, Dave, big Cowboys fan, as we know. So let's talk some NFC East odds. And your Cowboys right now, the favorite at plus 135 uh, at most places around, those are pretty much the average odds. So they are the favorite to win the NFC East at plus 135. And we can go through all these teams. Washington, I think, is at plus 200. The Giants are plus 450. Eagles plus 550. How are you feeling about the Cowboys this season? Is this uh, is this the year they win the division? Well, here's the thing, Ben. And I look at it historically, okay, because I'm old. And I see that nobody in the NFC East has repeated since 2004. Now, that's an anomaly. I understand that. You can go, well, that can't repeat. Well, it's repeated for about 17 seasons, right? So that's why I don't like Washington to necessarily repeat because the history of the division just shows that's not the case. I do not like the Eagles' chances at all this year. I just think with a rookie head coach, uh, Jalen Hurts, we'll find out if he's going to be the guy going forward. The defense, to me, still isn't even good enough. And the offense is average at best. And I'm hearing whispers, as much as I like Jalen Hurts coming out of Oklahoma, and I thought he did a pretty good job in his rookie year there, I just don't know that he's the long-term guy. So to me, it comes down by process of elimination to a two-horse race between the Cowboys and the Giants. I look at New York, and I watch closely what Joe Judge is doing. And to me, that's a team ready to take the next step. And I don't know if we buy into the big fight they had at training camp and all the guys were punching out Daniel Jones today and all that. But they they are building something in New York. And as a Cowboy fan, but somebody objectively looking at, at this division, yeah, I get it. Washington's defensive front is the best, not maybe all in the East, but could be in the entire NFL. I still think they have a lot of questions at quarterback if Ryan Fitzpatrick is supposed to be the guy. I actually be more scared of Taylor Heineke. He's not going to get the job there. So to me, I look at the Giants and Daniel Jones, and you, you're getting back a stud in Saquon Barkley if he's ready to go, okay? You're, you're improving that, that offensive line. Surely, surely but surely, they're getting better. We know Joe Judge is a special teams guy, and people always overlook special teams. That can win you three ball games if you really have an elite unit there, and I think they're getting a lot better there. The Giants and the Cowboys, to me, are the two teams to beat in the NFC East. Well, let's talk a little bit more about the Cowboys, who are the division favorite right now. Win total, there's some nine juiced over, but a lot of nine and a half out there, which is more minus 110 each way. What are some of the things that you like about the team, but also some things that concern you? I would assume it's it's the star-studded offense, but then the, the leaky defense that we saw for much of last season. Absolutely, Nate. I look at that number and I go, well, if you get it at nine, I like it because obviously 17 games this year, right? And then if you get nine, at least it's a push. Can they be a 10-win football team? I think they can, but at nine and a half, it gets a little bit trickier, right? Because then you don't get the bailout of the push at nine. So I'd be very cautious about that for a couple of reasons. One, I do trust Dan Quinn to come in and really uh, sufficiently shore up this defense from a schematic point of view. Last year, they had a lot of guys like Tank Lawrence on the D-line, a lot of guys like Jalen Smith. They're playing out of position, to be quite honest with you. I think they're going to get back to playing in position and those key players being hopefully uh, familiar back with their old roles that they were a couple of years ago when they were very disruptive. 
DeMarcus Lawrence has to play like a top 10 edge rusher in the league. If he does, that pass rush, which was abominable last year, gets a whole lot better. And I think being slated, uh, slated rather into the proper spot on that front four, I think he'll be able to do that. If the linebackers can run, and when you get a stud in the first round of Micah Parsons out of Penn State, and you hope he can fill some of those holes defense, defense, uh, that they had deficiently uh, on the defensive side of the football, that linebacking core all of a sudden, oh, my goodness. I know they didn't pick up the option for Leighton Van Der Esch, but if he's healthy and Jalen Smith is back to his old Jalen Smith and you add Micah Parsons, all of a sudden you have guys at the linebacker position that can fill, that can run. They can go sideline to sideline. That's going to make everybody in that front four that much better. Yes, I'm still concerned about the back four, but that front seven this year has a chance to be elite. Dan Quinn's going to put them in the right spots. That defense is going to be a lot better. And I have zero questions about the offense. Zero. They're getting back, gentlemen. Their entire starting five on the offensive line. We can talk about the the triplets all we want. They're going to be great. Zeke being back to hopefully being the old Zeke. We'll find out about that. Dak Prescott, of course. It's really all up front. And if that starting five is back and intact, which we believe them to be right now, remember, they were on third string offensive linemen a year ago. So to me, getting back that starting five, every single one of them under contract, back in and healthy with basically a year off, look out. This offense, if they stay healthy, there is no way they can't be productive. So you mentioned the Giants and the fighting and, and Joe Judge and doing all that. And we'll, we'll, we see fights every single preseason with teams. And this one did sound like one of the uh, bigger fights that teams have had in preseason. Seeing something like that, does that make you more inclined to maybe look at them as uh, someone to bet on either for division odds or preseason? Or do you look at that and say, I'm definitely staying away from them now? Oh, no, Ben. I like it. I, like, look, I've yeah. covered training camp for, for decades in D.C., right? And when you saw the feistier teams, like when Greg Williams was the defensive coordinator in D.C. under Joe Gibbs, well, they went to the the playoffs two of those four years in Joe Gibbs 2.0. They didn't have a whole lot of success before or after, right? And sometimes you get those mundane camps, nothing's really happening. You show me fire early on in a training camp, these guys are there fighting for something. So I actually just externally, when I look at that and I view it, I do put a little bit of stock into it, that these guys are actually getting after it. And Joe Judge is building a culture of competition. And that's something he learned from who? Bill Belichick, right? Those practices we know in New England are legendary, right? They're they're legendary for for what reasons? Players don't like them because they make them work. Joe Judge is making the Giants work. I hope Mike McCarthy is doing the same in Dallas because, again, (laughs) I'm keeping an eye on those guys. And I'll tell you, Ron Rivera is certainly doing that in D.C. Those guys are going to fight. They're going to get after it, and they're going to be nasty. Those are the teams that I look at and go, when they have attitude, it's normally not born of bravado for any reason. It's normally born from something that they believe they've got something there that's worth fighting for early in a camp. Watch out for the Giants this year. I think they're going to take a big step. Yeah, I hear you what you're saying with the Giants and and what Joe Judge is building and I just not sure if I can get behind Daniel Jones and I just don't know if he's good. I, they, <laughs> they, they overdrafted him. They could have drafted him probably at 18 that year with their second first round pick. Sure. Dave Gettleman, who this gets a lot of criticism for how he's kind of built the team and drafting a running back in this modern NFL second overall uh, and p- taking Daniel Jones when he could have waited a year and possibly get Justin Herbert or taken Jones later in that draft. I just, 
I'm just not sure. And, and Jason Garrett, a guy you know very well, still mm-hmm. calling the plays there. I know he's maybe showed a little bit of creativity last year, and he got a new toy in Kenny Galladay this offseason. But, but for me, I just, I just basically don't know what to do with the division betting-wise. And um, it's we saw last year it was a very bad, you know, the team that won the division was under 500, so it's hard right. to yeah. kind of forecast this division. Sure. So for me, I just think I'm going to take this on a game-by-game basis for each team. And I'm a little bit worried, though, that there's a too much love for Washington. I think a lot of people like Washington to win the division. They were like three to one uh, earlier this offseason. Now they're two to one in a lot of spots. You can get as good as plus 260, though. But I think I think we saw the best of Fitzpatrick in Miami. And I'm not sure that we're going to see a huge ceiling year from Ryan Fitzpatrick because his ceiling is is never too high. But his floor could be very low. Nate, I'm picking up what you're putting down. And look, I'm still very close to, to a lot of my friends and, and fan base, certainly back in D.C. And they're they're drinking the juice on Fitzmagic, right? And smart guy, Harvard guy. How many times we hear that? And I, I like the journeyman aspect to his career, but he's always been a journeyman for a reason. So remember what they did last year in Miami, right? They get off to a good start and they bench him for Tua. Because even then, Brian Flores could see in Miami, as to your point, Nate, that the ceiling was only going to be so high. To quote Michael Jordan, the ceiling was the roof with Ryan Fitzpatrick, right? <laughs> so they had to figure out what they have with Tua Tungavaloa. And I don't even know if we know what that is. But clearly, think of that, that they knew then that Tua, who was not overly impressive, still gave them the better long-term prospects for the Dolphins in a season in which they won 10 games. So I look at Rod Rivera and I go, okay, Taylor Heineke, uh, to me, he looked pretty darn good when he got to play. I, I'm a little biased because he's an ODU guy, a 757 guy, and I find myself rooting for those underdog stories. But I really liked what we saw out of him. So not knowing if, he, if it's really a quarterback competition, which it sounds like it is not, to me there is a cap on how good Washington can be this year because I just don't trust Ryan Fitzpatrick to be a guy that can make them a you know back-to-back divisional champion, go deep into the postseason. I don't see it unless they're solely going to rely on that defense because the offense still has a lot of holes. So unless that defense, which we've seen a couple of times historically, like the 2000 Ravens and you know the, the 85 Bears, but you really have to go back and find those teams. That's more the anomaly. Is the defense that good that you can just plug and play a journeyman quarterback like we saw those years and a guy like Jim McMahon in, in Chicago and a guy like Trent Dilfer in Baltimore to kind of guide a team? deep into the postseason into a championship. That's what they're going to ask Ryan Fitzpatrick to do. I just don't think their offense is good enough and the defense can be that great to make up for some of those offensive uh, inequalities there. So, Nate, I'm with you. I just don't think this team, as the way they're currently constructed, is good enough. Like Dallas's ceiling is so much higher to me than what Washington's is just because the offensive weapons, they're clear to see if you look at it on paper. Yeah, sometimes you always like the Cowboys maybe when there's a little bit less hype. Last year, there was so much hype going into the season on Dallas. As you know, you're probably one of the reasons, Dave, that they were uh, hyped and uh, in total up to 10, I think, and oh ended my. up closing in that 16-game season. And I mean, it could have <laughs> reached you know expectations, but you lose Dak Prescott fifth game into the season. So right. totally understandable. Uh, for me, I'll probably have a bet when we do these NFL division previews here on the podcast, but with the NFC East, there's nothing really that sticks out to me. I mean, I could make that case for the Washington under 
just because it's gone up a little bit throughout the mm-hmm. offseason. But I think I'd rather just bet against them on a game by game basis, maybe taking the Chargers plus one, plus one and a half in week one when Justin Herbert and uh, Brandon Staley hit the road in, in Washington, D.C. So maybe that's one way to go. Um, just some uncertainty with me with the Eagles, like you mentioned. I think yeah, they could be really, really bad. And mm-hmm. I don't know about that coaching staff. Uh, I think they were trying to basically they regret not having Frank Reich because he was the reason they won the Super Bowl. So they got the closest thing to Frank Reich. <laughs> and I'm not sure if that's going to work out, especially uh, with Jalen Hurts. And the Cowboys love what is on offense. I know the fantasy players love C.D. Lamb, Michael Gallup. But if you're going to trust them to get a stop, I'm not sure. I know the well, Mike Nolan experiment was a disaster, and maybe there's improvement in terms of new coaches and, as you mentioned, some new personnel. But I'm going to have to see it to believe it with the Cowboys, at least defensively. It's just got to be the offensive line because, again, yeah. if, if the O-line hangs in there, even if the defense takes a little bit of time to come around, but I do think they'll come around with, with Dan Quinn, the offense will keep them in games, right? There might be some shootouts early on. But I think the defense will get better. Again, Micah Parsons will be a huge part of that. Uh, and we'll see how early on that he can incorporate himself into that linebacker flow. But really, you know, I look at the Buccaneers last year when they won the Super Bowl. What was the revelation? It was the linebacking play, like guys like Devin White, right? And you saw what it did for their pass rush. And if Micah Parsons, not saying he can be that impactful in year one, but we know how good Jalen Smith can be, and we know how good Leighton Van Der Esch can be when they're healthy. If he can be that kind of impact, it's going to help out their pass rush immensely, immensely. And they didn't have one last year. And that's why they were in these shootouts. And you know, even when Dak was healthy, they were still one and three early on in the year because it couldn't stop anybody. I think that'll be different this year. I think there will be a little bit more ball control with Ezekiel Elliott with that offensive line, start run blocking a little bit more so they don't have to throw it all around the yard. I do like the Cowboys this year coming in. Again, we don't know about Dak now in the shoulder. That is a concern. They don't have an Andy Dalton this year to back up. Uh, you know, you can make your jokes about Andy Dalton, but at least he's a serviceable backup. If you got a guy that's out for a couple weeks, they don't really have that. So to me, it's offensive line, Dak or bust. If those guys are healthy up front and Dak stays healthy, to me, this is absolutely a playoff team and the clear favorite to win the East. And so before we move on to UFC, uh, week one, Thursday night football, Cowboys at Bucks, Bucks. Favored by six and a half across the board, total 51, 52. Do you have any uh, play early on, or you're going to wait and see closer to the game? Going to wait, Nate, but I'll tell you this. Did you hear what uh, legendary owner Jerry Jones said yesterday? I mean, Jerry's just laying it on so thick like the molasses down there in the south. He's like, I don't know how we're going to feel the team. You know, we're going to go up there, and I guess we got to show up and play those guys, the Super Bowl champions, and Tom Brady. I can't do it in the great southern draw that Jerry does. But, like, he's already laying it out there like, oh, whoa, it's me. We're just the little Dallas Cowboys with these little stars on our helmets. How can we ever compete? I love it when Jerry kind of plays that role of we're just the little guy going up there against big, bad Brady and the <laughs> yeah. Bucks and B.A., right, and all his moxie. It's going to be a good spot for the Cowboys. It, it won't get a whole lot better if the Cowboys are who I think they're going to be. It's probably the best value you might get all year. So if you wait for the seven, if the number gets to seven, jump on it. But you're right, Nate. It's probably hovering around six and a half for a reason, because I think they know people like me will hop on. If you can give me that extra point, we know how important that number seven is in NFL games. Let's see if it gets there. I think it will before week one. 
Yep, America's team versus the big, mighty Tampa Bay legendary franchise. So we'll That's have right. to see that <laughs> in week one. Uh, the Cowboys typically a, a big public betting team, so we'll be interested to see if that but spread so goes Brady, down to right? six. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah Brady does too. Out a bit. Basically, yeah. the uh, it's the Patriots are an extension of the Bucks in terms of a public team, and right. I'm sure no one's going to be wanting to take uh, the Cowboys with the the Bucks uh, returning everyone, and it's uh, their banner raising game. So I, I'll tell you this very quickly, Nate. To that point, if you guys have been following, and I'm sure you have, you know, BA Bruce Arians and Tom Brady, they've already been getting on their guys. Like I talked about Joe Judge and the Giants and how feisty they are at camp. That's the reports already out of Tampa. When people wonder what separates Brady, and I'm not saying you know the Aaron Rodgers or whatever you want to comparisons you want to make. But that's what makes him the Michael Jordan of the NFL. He's never satisfied. And I'll tell you this, some of his teammates probably don't like him. And we see the Brady, the aw shucks guy who gets drunk on the boat and, you know, and <laughs> hoisting the Vince Lombardi over to the other boat, right? What you don't see is Brady and B.A. allowing Brady to get on his guys. And he's doing that now. Brady knows what Jerry Jones is saying. Brady knows what people are saying. And, oh, shucks, you're 44 now. There's no way you can do it again. Brady has a different DNA chip and Bruce Arians allows him to use that. Maybe Belichick did to a degree, but not to the degree he has down in Tampa. That's going to play very well for the Buccaneers long-term this season. I do not think it was by far a fluke what they accomplished last year. I wasn't surprised at all that they went down there and won. I was surprised nobody wanted Tom Brady last year in free agency. So I think he has another point to prove to me. I know it seems like high totals, I would play a lot of those overs on the Buccaneers because Brady just does not give you an inch. Yeah, it looks like Tampa Bay pretty much consensus 12 is the season win total. And with Drew Brees out that division and some question marks with the Falcons, uh, I think we could possibly see a dominant year from Tampa Bay. And they're the justified favorites to win the NFC.